Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for the opportunity to sing, to pray, to come and worship you. And Father, as we gather here today, I pray that you would be our vision, that you would be the one that our eyes are set on. Lord, this world has so much to offer. And there's so many things in the world that aren't necessarily sinful and they can be good things. And so, Lord, it's so easy for us to get distracted. But God, I pray that you would help us to keep you at the center and focus of our life. Jesus, help us to surrender to you. Help us to honor you, to glorify you. God, to use all that we are and all that we have to make the name of Jesus great in this world that we live in. I pray this morning as we read your word, God, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, if there's anybody in this room, if there's anybody watching online or who's going to listen to this later, God, I pray that right now, even in their hearts, that you would work in them to just have the attitude of maybe they haven't surrendered yet. Maybe they haven't even committed to believing in you but to just be open to the fact if they hear your voice if they can feel you working and moving on them this morning that they would be willing to surrender to you and Lord I'm sure there's many people who are believers and who have been believers for years that were still just struggling to surrender completely still just finding it hard to be the men and women that you've called us to be. So this morning I pray that you would speak to our hearts, help us to grow in you, help us to surrender to you more and more. Father, we lift up our brothers and sisters. Lord, I know there's, there's people here with physical pains, with injuries. Lord, we pray for that. Lord, there's so many people at home this morning who would love to be here and are just struggling with health issues. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters who aren't able to be here today. I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch them as much as you touch us here now. And thank you for being a God who's able to do so. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. And I pray today that you would help us to surrender to you more than we were when we came in. We love you. And we ask all this in your precious and holy name. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, we're in week five of our series, and I say this continuously, but if you have just, if this is the first sermon, please make sure that you are going back and getting all the sermons that go along with this. I really think it's very, really important. To understand God's nature as a giver, to understand that God is the creator and giver of all things. And just as we lead into this, as we continue to trek through the next couple of weeks of taking some, some really simple applications, just making this thing relevant, making it applicable to our life. Okay, we're supposed to be good stewards. Well, how do we do that? And today we're talking about stuff. Now, stuff is the best word that we can use for today's sermon because stuff doesn't necessarily mean anything of value. 
I can imagine that many of you here today have more stuff than you need. And you probably have stuff that you don't want to throw it away because it's useful and it would be expensive to replace it, but you don't want to give it away or, or throw it away because you, you like it and at the same time nobody will pay you anything for it. You know, if you tried to sell it tomorrow up in Chesney for the big flea market they're going to have, you probably wouldn't get a whole lot out of it. But we as people live in a society where we overindulge, we, we, we consume a lot more than we need. And, and from clothes to shoes to hats, collectibles, tattoos, hobbies, houses, cars, tech gadgets, phones, watches, jewelry, etc. You can keep on naming it all day long. It doesn't matter what it is. We are a people, a nation of people, where just one is not enough. Like, that, that's the thing about it. Like, we, we live in a society where just having that one is not enough, except for children. Some people just have that one child, and that's enough. But for everything else, we probably like to have as many of whatever we can get as we can get. And the idea of stuff and the idea of things that we consume can best be uh, depicted in the amount of storage unit facilities that is in our world today. Anybody notice the, the, the great rise in storage unit facilities, okay? <clears throat> so around 40% of Americans have a current storage unit that they use to store stuff in. Their homes are no longer big enough to store their stuff. They need a storage unit. Now, these are just storage units. These are not storage buildings in your backyard. These are just storage unit facilities. And 40% of people in America use them. And they are at a 96.5% capacity. So when you look at all these storage unit facilities that are being built, it's not a tax write-off that some rich person just put up to leave empty and write it off on their taxes as they're losing money. They're making money off this. So if you're looking for some good passive income, build a storage unit facility. 96.5% capacity, and over 90% of the storage units in the world are right here in America. You with me? All right, so we love stuff, and we like to overconsume. <clears throat> it's a pitfall that we have, and the attitude of stuff has typically been that this is ours, that everything that we have is ours. We spend a lot of time Working, right? How many of you spent more time working than you would have liked to? We spend a lot of time working. We spend a lot of time sacrificing. You sacrifice time. Some of you may have sacrificed fun things that you could have done in order to afford something that you bought in order to possess. And so there's this attitude, this is ours. But I want you to understand this morning that the attitude that something belongs to us is a very innate sinful nature. Because I can show you a four-year-old and a two-year-old and an eight-month-old that's on her way to saying that everything is theirs. And they actually own nothing. Like, they've never worked for anything. They've never bought anything. They've, they've been given a lot of things from other people, but it's very much theirs, and you can just ask them. And so we're working really hard to try to communicate to our kids that, that nothing that they have is, is theirs. Like, they don't own anything. 
And so whenever they argue over it, they fuss over it, we take it away, we put it up, or we threaten to throw it away or give it away. Because we're not going to argue over stuff like it's not ours. Our, our responsibility as believers is to be good stewards of what we are in possession of in this moment in time. And so as Christians this morning, I want to remind you that when we talk about stewardship, it really is that simple understanding that the stuff that we might be in possession of in this moment is not truly ours. That one day we are going to have to depart with this stuff, whether we want to or not. And it's so much better for us to be willing to depart with it willingly in a way that's going to build up eternal value and eternal treasures rather than hoarding it to yourself and one day it's going to be taken from you anyway. And if you don't believe me, some of you older people here with all your stuff start talking to your kids about what they're going to do with your stuff when you pass. And it's like the day of that is a dreadful experience because more than likely, if you're like us, when my grandparents passed away, we spent months, months cleaning out their home, months trying to figure out what we're going to do with their stuff, months throwing away. I mean, like, we took three dump truck loads of stuff to the dump because what used to be useful deteriorates over time. And it wasn't that we just wanted to throw it away. It was just like it had deteriorated to the point where it was no longer useful. And so the idea of stuff, whether it's things that you collect or hobbies or, or, or things that are beneficial in any way, we have to come to this, this understanding of God wants us to view stuff in a very different way than the rest of the world views stuff. Because some of you in here today, we'll talk about money in a couple weeks. I'm going to let you know when it's coming so I don't surprise you. So if you don't want to come, you don't have to come that day. But some of you don't care about money. Some of you love to work to get money so that you can go buy stuff. There's a lot of people like that. You don't care if you have a dime in your bank account, but you love stuff. And God wants us to look at stuff very differently from the way the world looks at it. And that's just calling us to be good stewards. It's our responsibility to take what God has given us and use it to glorify Him to accomplish His will. So we're in Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47 today. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Um, it's probably not one that you've heard used with something like stewardship uh, before because it, it's just a very different passage. And I, I told you guys before we started, I really wanted to use a lot of Scripture that wasn't cliché. So I didn't want to come at you and just quote these Bible verses that you've always heard your whole life talking about how you should give and how you should sacrifice and do all this stuff. So, so my goal is to, is to come at it from a different perspective. But in Acts chapter 2, verses 43 through 47, um, the author writes about what is happening as Jesus has ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit has come, and the church has just gotten started. And look at what's going on. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being 
saved. Now, before we jump into the points, I, I want you to understand some things. Um, first of all, I do not believe that as we're sitting here today that God is going to necessarily call any of you to just give everything that you have right now, give the money to the poor, and come and follow him. That's highly unlikely because I've been saved 20 years. I've never met that person yet. And when you read scripture, you only see where God requires that of one man. There were a lot of people who followed Jesus, a lot of people who died for Jesus, but there was only one man who came who was extremely wealthy and obviously had an attachment to his stuff that Jesus said, if you want eternal life and you want treasure in heaven, sell all that you have, give the money to the poor and come and follow me. So understand this morning. That the likelihood of God calling you to give absolutely every single thing is very unlikely. But having the understanding that as believers, if we understand the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for our life, there should not be a single thing that we would be hesitant to give. And so this has to do so much more with the attitude of the heart than it does with just like circumstances or making sure that you do this thing. The point number one I want you to understand this morning is, is stuff is meant to honor God. So, so it's not a sin to own things. You with me today? It's not a sin to own things. I say it all the time. I'm not a health, wealth, prosperity guy. But it's not sinful to own things. When you look back at this passage that we just read, the believers had to own something in order to be able to sell it and to share it with the other people. You with me today? So it's not sinful to own things. It's not sinful to take money and to buy stuff that you're going to use or things that you can enjoy. Um, the trick is, is how do you do it in a way that honors God? So when you look at the Old Testament, one of the big, one of the largest themes that you see in the Old Testament is that God uses wealth and things to bless those who are faithful to him. That's a common narrative that you see all throughout the Old Testament. When you look at the patriarchs, God used stuff to affirm his blessing over their life, and he promised them great things. You with me? Now, the problem with that is, is we don't live in the Old Testament under the Old Testament covenant anymore, which you should be very grateful for because grace and mercy and forgiveness are a lot easier to have underneath the New Testament. So what you find in the New Testament, the biggest theme is, is that God is continually calling his believers to give and to sacrifice. And when you see these believers in the early church, now I'm not saying that we, we should sell everything that we have, and we, start, we should start sharing it with one another to create this utopia or this socialist kind of church that we have. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I do want you to pay attention to the difference in what was going on then versus the difference in what's going on now. Are you ready for this? As a church, would we not say that helping people come to know Christ is probably the greatest thing that we do, right? Like, like, Preaching the gospel and helping people get saved probably should be the greatest thing that we do, right? You know how many people got saved last year that we recorded? Three. All right, now, I believe that a lot more people made commitments and gave their hearts to Christ and probably just don't know how to 
express that. They don't actually know who they should be sharing that with. And, it, you know, sometimes whenever we give our hearts to Christ and we enter into this new thing, it's super uncomfortable because we don't really know. We don't know the lingo. And we, you understand what I'm saying? So there's probably more stuff out there. But when you look at this passage, when the people were filled with the Holy Spirit and God was working and moving among them, it caused them to do things that doesn't make sense. And their willingness to depart with their stuff caused a unity and a camaraderie among them that was very attractive to the people who had not yet become a part of their group. When you look at the very last verse in verse 47, it says, And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. How awesome would it be if as a church, God was adding to our number those who were being saved every day? I mean, that's at least one a day. That's 365 salvations. That's more people than we have in the church. So I want you to understand, like, I'm not saying that, that we're, we're throwing this on you as in like this is this new expectation, because I'm not. What I'm challenging you to do is be obedient in the Lord with your stuff. You have to figure out in your own personal life, in your own relationship with Christ, how you honor God with stuff. Because it's not a sin to have it. And you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, if God by nature is a giver and God wants you to give then you need something to give, right? And so in order for you to give, God would theoretically continue to replenish you so that you can continue to be a giver like he is. And understanding that the things that God has blessed us with are meant to be a blessing to others. So as a believer in Christ, you remember this, okay? What's the two most important commandments? Jesus said, if you want to fulfill the law, you do these two things. You love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? So, so with your stuff, if you hoard it and you say, this is mine, and this is only for me, and I'm not sharing this with anyone, how is that loving God and how is that loving others? But when we are willing to separate and give and share, and I'm not saying it necessarily, again, I'm trying to be pretty... Uh, uh, clear in my communication that it's not this, this idea that you should just sell stuff and, and divide the money up and give it away. If God's calling you to do that, then do it because you're held accountable to him. If he's not, then don't. And Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians as he's, he's telling the believers, only give what God is leading you to give. Okay, don't do it out of guilt. And we'll talk about that in a little bit because just because you give doesn't mean you're honoring the Lord. We'll talk about that in a minute. But understanding this morning... That everything you have is meant to glorify and honor God. And so with your stuff, you need to ask this question. How am, I, how am I loving others and how am I loving God with what I have? And that's tough because we don't know. And a lot of times we haven't been shown that through, through good example in a lot of ways. Like we, we've talked so much in the church about money and giving. And we just think that whenever we give money in the offering plate, that that's all we have to give. But no, God doesn't just want your money. God wants all of you. You know, we said it weeks ago, money might be the most important thing to you. It's just a small aspect of your life that God wants you to surrender to him. God wants all of you. 
He wants you. He wants your life. He wants your time. He wants your stuff. He wants your commitment. He wants your money. He wants your love. He wants all of you. And the question is, is whether or not we're just willing to surrender and say, God, you can have me. You can have my stuff. You can have, what do you want me to do with it? Just sitting there asking the simple question of, God, what do you want me to do with this? You ever think about Abraham? The whole reason why we have Jesus as our Savior was because of the faith of Abraham. When you look at Genesis 12, the Bible changes. From Genesis 1 through 11, it's all about these very vague things of people coming along and stuff that happened, and there's very little detail into it. But Genesis 12, it changes, and Abraham's faith and his belief in God and his service and his sacrifice changed biblical narrative. And Jesus is coming through the lineage of Abraham because God looked at him and said, okay, I'm willing to bring my one and only son through your lineage and use you to bless the entire world and bring salvation to the world through your descendants. I'm willing to give my one and only son, Abraham, are you willing to give yours? And he calls Abraham to sacrifice his son. And, and if you read the, the story, Abraham doesn't have to go through with it. He's going to go through with it. The, his heart is there. He's there. Everything's set up. He's about to do it, but God stops him because God is not necessarily concerned so much with the action as he is with the heart. And so for everything that you have in this life, it's not necessarily that God is coming knocking like, I want you. I want everything about you. I want all your money, all your stuff, all your time, all your relationships. I'm the only thing that you have. He's not some creepy psycho boyfriend or girlfriend who's trying to like consume everything that you are. But the idea is, is that he wants your heart to be in a place where you understand who he is and the simple fact that he is deserving of everything. He is deserving of all that we have. And we need to have this, this conversation with ourselves of, am I willing to give everything for Christ? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21... You know, Jesus told about don't store up for yourself treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. That's a very common passage. And in most translations, it says don't store up for yourself treasures in heaven or treasures on earth. Don't store up for yourself. And see, the thing is, is that most of us, when we, when we think about stuff, we're constantly looking at the next thing that we can have, that we can get, that we can attain. And it really is for us. But the question should be, how can I use this to honor and glorify God? Point number two, stuff can be one of our biggest spiritual traps. I said it before, you know, there's a lot of people. It's funny because when we talk about stewardship and things like this, people always worry when you talk about money. But the truth is, is that most people in America are actually really bad with money and don't care about it because they spend it all. 
So, so, so we live in a society where so many people spend all their money to go buy stuff and they don't have any. But the whole understanding is, is reminding ourselves and honing ourselves in, look, it's not sinful to have stuff. It's not sinful to buy things. Okay, it's not, you know that you need a house, you know that you need a car, you know that you need clothes, you know you need shoes, you, you know you need all these things. So it's not a sin to have it, but it's the, it's the way upon which you go about it. And Scripture warns us constantly of this desire to have things. And in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, there's this account of this young man who comes and he wants the inheritance divided between him and his brother, which was not the most common thing that happened, but it wasn't unheard of. It was... It, was somewhat typical for this, for, for, for a father to have an estate and then for him to go ahead and divide it up before he passed away. And, and so this young man comes to Jesus as Jesus is teaching. He says, look, tell my brother to divide my estate or our estate with, with me, to divide the inheritance. Let's get this thing done. And it wasn't the fact that the young man was pursuing something that didn't belong to him. Inevitably, it was his anyway. You with me? Like it was his, and he had claim to it. It was his right. But the idea was the attitude and the heart in which he was pursuing it. And so Jesus doesn't even answer his question or fulfill his request, but rather he uses it as a moment for teaching because then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And greed presents itself in many different ways. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're trying to pursue wealth because, again, what you have, the stuff you have, might not be worth anything to anybody else. But it could be very special to you. It could be very sentimental. But Jesus warns against this. And this is why whenever he's giving the covenant to the people of Israel in the Old Testament in Exodus 20, verse 17... One of the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Laws that God says, of all the laws, you make sure that you pay attention to these ten. And he says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So also understanding that, that whenever you live in this world and you go through everyday life, like you there's an understanding. You need things. You need things to survive. You need things to operate. And if you, you understand that some things can help you succeed, they might seem excessive to others, but there are some things that you can use to benefit and grow and, and to make different maneuvers and, and situations and, and things like that. But there is something inside of us that people, as people, where we see what others have. And for whatever reason, we feel like we want that or we deserve that or we need it. And I guarantee you, every one of you can raise your hand and say, there's been something that you went and you bought it because you thought that you had to have this. And then when you finally got it, you said, I don't even know why I bought this. You ever been there? 
How many of you have ever seen something that someone else had that you saw and you're like, dude, that is awesome. I really want that. And you went and bought it and afterwards you're just like, I don't even like this. Uh, and you realize that you only wanted it because they had it and you thought you needed it. And they talked it up like it was the greatest thing they ever had. You know, it's amazing how people are great salesmen whether they realize it or not. Because we talk up our stuff to other people. But in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Paul writes to that church. And he says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And understand that we are supposed to be new creations. You, you know, the understanding of being a Christian is the fact that we're supposed to be reborn. We're not supposed to look at stuff and desire stuff the same way that the world is. Now, it doesn't mean that it's still not tempting. You understand? Like, like there's a lot of stuff I look at. Hannah gets on me all the time because I just like scroll Craigslist and all kinds of stuff. Like, ooh, look at this, look at this. Like, you don't need all that junk. Like it's tempting to see something you're like, man, I could use that. I would love to have that. I'd love to use this. And man, that'd be great. But we have this attitude about stuff like we're just constantly wanting and we're just seeing what we can get next. And Paul is reminding this church in Klaus that, you know, you're supposed to have died to this world. The way that you view stuff and the way that you desire stuff should be very different from the rest of the world. And that's hard because it's easier to imitate what you see, is it not? It's easier to imitate what you see. And so in reality, as you're sitting here this morning, this isn't just about you being a good steward with your stuff. It's about you being a good example for someone else to be able to imitate. There's some of you grandparents and parents in here, your kids and grandkids are watching you. And they need someone to imitate on how to be a good steward with stuff. On how to share it. On how to use it to glorify God and to love other people. Not to hoard. Not to make sure it's theirs. But to love and to sacrifice. So point number three. Stuff was meant to be sacrificed and not gained. <clears throat> You're always going to deal with this weird balance of the physical world that we live in, physical life, and, and, and then the spiritual. If you claim to be a believer in Jesus Christ and you truly want to serve him, you're constantly going to struggle with, how am I going to serve Christ and yet still be in this world fighting with, like, what all do I really need? What, what, all, what all do I absolutely need? How can I glorify God with it? How can, I, how can I love other people with it? And it's just this balancing act that we're constantly doing throughout life. And you need to realize that it's not impossible. Because through Christ, all things are possible. But as we walk through this world, we have to constantly make sure that we are seeking Christ, that we're seeking His will, we're seeking his guidance, and we're allowing him to have access to every aspect of our life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good 
work. You, you know, I, I say it all the time, I've never met a Christian, a, a true believer in Christ in our society, in our culture, that was homeless or hungry. God is a provider. He is a giver. And, and Scripture says that God wants to continue to give to you so that you can give, so that in all things, at all times, you will abound in every good work. God wants you to do good work. And, and if we have the mindset of two-year-olds, we're just like, no, this is mine. I'm going to keep it. This is mine. Nobody else can have it. Nobody else can touch it. Nobody else can look at it. If we have that attitude with our stuff, then there's no possible way that we can ever walk in true fellowship with Christ whenever his attitude is to want to give to us so that we can give. That he wants you to be a good steward so that you can be a good example for other people to follow. As we talk today, you know, it might be a great thing for us to just go home and sit down with our spouse or a parent or a kid or a friend or, or another believer in Christ. Don't sit down and do this with someone who's not a Christian, but sit down and just have an honest conversation of, uh, okay, like, how can, we, how can we love Christ and how can we love God with our stuff? What? What can we do? And really, is, is there anything in our life that we feel like is such a vice to us that we don't feel like we could give it up if we had to? I mean, I don't know if you ever had that conversation. You know, David, who was said to be a man after God's own heart, prayed and asked God to reveal any kind of sin that might be in his life that he's unaware of so that he could repent of it. That's a man after God's own heart. That even if there was something there that he was unaware of, that God would make him aware of it so that he could repent and make it right. So when you look at stewardship and you think about your stuff, it's like, okay, God, is there something in my life that is there that I would have a problem giving up if you called me to give it up? And what is that thing? And you might be sitting here today and you're just like, I know exactly what it is and I'm not giving it up anytime soon and I'm not, I'm not even opening up the door. And I'm begging you this morning to not be stuck and just slam the door in God's face. Don't slam the door in God's face. But open the door and say, God, if you ask me to give, be honest and just pray and say, God, if you ask me to give this up right now, I could not do it. I can't. I'm not ready. I'm not willing. It could be a relationship. It could be stuff. It could be a job. It could be anything. And if you're sitting there, it's like you're just honest enough with yourself and honest enough with the Lord to say, God, I'm not ready to do this yet, but Lord, I want you to help me to get to the point where I could give it up if you called me to. Because remember, it's not a matter of actually what it is that you give, but it's an attitude of the heart. Because when God called Abraham to give up his son, he didn't actually expect him to sacrifice his son. He just wanted to see if in his heart he was actually willing to do it. And whenever Paul is communicating with the Corinthians and he's talking to them about giving their gift for the Christians in Jerusalem who were suffering greatly, he said, don't give unless the Lord leads you to give. But if you do give, do it cheerfully. Do it with enthusiasm. 
Because that's what God has called you and led you to do. And so you're sitting here this morning, I, I want you to understand, like, if there's something in your life that you know, like, this is a vice, this is something that I can't let go, this is something I can't turn loose of, and you were to give it up anyway, and you did it begrudgingly, and you were angry about it, and you were, like, resented the Lord for it, what kind of gift and sacrifice is that? But the understanding of doing it with a cheerful heart and inviting Christ in your life to help prepare you to be able to give whatever he may call you to give up. And just say, God, I've had that conversation. I've, I've had that conversation before. I've had that conversation. Like, God, you know I don't want to go there. You know I don't want to move. You know I don't want to do this. I want to do that. But Lord, help me to be able to do whatever it is that you want me to do. Lord, I don't want to give this up. Help me to be able to give it up if that's what you want for me. And the majority of the time, even in my own personal life, I can testify that basically God was just seeing if I was willing. And there have been times where he's called me to give it. There have been times where he's called me to sacrifice it. And it's not always easy. But the idea is to pray and ask God to prepare for us to be able to give it up. Luke 14, verse 33, it says, So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. And remember, in Scripture, there's only one person that we know of that Jesus actually asked them to give up everything. But Jesus wants you to be willing in your heart to be willing to sacrifice and to give no matter what. Point number four. You can sacrifice stuff without honoring God. As you sit here today, it is very much possible for many of you in this room and me and anyone else to give things up in the name of God and yet it not be pleasing to Him. When you look at <clears throat> this whole idea of needing to be able to give with a cheerful heart, of doing it with enthusiasm, and that you can give bitterly and it not be a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord. The whole understanding that for some people in here, it could be the fact that you are extremely wealthy and the fact that you give stuff doesn't mean anything because you're, you're giving out of like an overly abundance and it, you can't even feel the fact that you gave. And I saw a video this past week where someone was ripping this celebrity because they gave like $10 million to an organization. And like $10 million is a lot of money. Would you like $10 million this morning? I would love $10 million this morning. Just putting that out there for you. Don't expect it, but you know, it'd be nice. But this celebrity gives $10 million to this organization and they were talking about based off their annual income, it was like 0.0005% of their annual income. It was a drop in the hat. Basically, they didn't even feel the effect of it whenever they wrote the check. And so it may look great. And Jesus, there's passages of Scripture that talks about that. You could give and yet not really even be giving. You with me today? And, and, and the shoe goes on the other foot because you could be here this morning. You could be extremely poor. You may not have as much as other people. And what you find is, in, especially in families that are low income, they are much more willing to share with one another than wealthier families. 
And so lower income families are actually much more giving and sharing because the idea is, well, we don't really have a whole lot anyway. We're not going to make it if we don't share with one another. So they share and they're very much willing to give stuff away and like trade stuff back and forth. But the idea of sacrificing and giving to the Lord is the understanding that it costs you something. That when God calls you to give it, it's very much an understanding, I'm doing this with the understanding of I may never be paid back in this life. But we cling to the promise that God will reward us in eternity. That's true sacrifice. That's true giving. And so when you look at stuff and the understanding of it, you know, this realizing of, man, it's like we're going to part with it anyway. Like one day we're literally going to die. We're going to leave this world and there's nothing that we possess that's not going to be given to someone else. And if we hang on to it long enough and let it degrade long enough, and you know how it is now because the older we get now, everything is just obsolete. It could be perfectly useful, but now it's just obsolete because there's so much better technology. Nobody wants it. So if you cling to it, more than likely it's going to end up in a landfill anyway. We have got to change the attitude and the view that we have on stuff and what we're using it for. And Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. He said, if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So you can give everything you have. You could sacrifice your own life. And if you don't do it with a cheerful heart, if you don't do it with love for the Lord, if you don't do it with love for your fellow believers and your neighbors... It means nothing. And so sitting here this morning and thinking about this, when you're talking about stuff, God, help me to be willing to do this. Help me to do this with the right heart, with the right attitude. Help me to do this because you're calling me to do this and because I'll, you create in me a heart that wants to do this because we should be new creations. And he should be creating in us the ability to do new things that we wouldn't normally do. And one of the oldest passages of Scripture from Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5, and this is the first example we see of the offering. It says, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel brought an offering fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. And so this morning as we close out, we talk about this, and you talk about your stuff, you need to understand it's a matter and an attitude of the heart. It's an attitude of where you are in your relationship with Christ. It's a matter of how humble you are and how surrendered you are to him and how willing you are to be obedient to him. Because the truth is, you could give everything and it be for nothing. But the need is to be so close with Christ and so willing to be submissive to him that you're saying, God, help me to be willing to do whatever you want me to do.
Help me to surrender whatever I need to surrender. Help me to give whatever I need to give. Help me to be willing to help others any way that you want me to. Lord, please let me make you first in my life. It's an attitude of the heart. Let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to come and worship. And Jesus, I ask that you would speak into our hearts and lives today. Lord, help us not to get carried away with the pursuits of the things of this world. But Lord, just help us to keep our eyes and our focus on you. Lord, please be our vision. And help us to be willing to look to you for all things. Jesus, we love you today. And I pray that you'd speak into our hearts, make us new creations, and create in us the ability to do things that we might think are possible now. Lord, we love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.